In this episode, we'll be talking everything Playfest, an annual celebration of new works hosted by Orlando Shakes in partnership with UCF. Playfest 2022 took place from October 28th to November 6th. We'll hear from Roberta Emerson, the director of new play development at Orlando Shakes, and Greg Lamb, one of the featured playwrights. This is your host, Alyssa Miller, and welcome to The Power of Four. Um, so I know you're very busy. You've held a lot of different roles all throughout yeah. the Orlando theater scene. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to be involved with Orlando Shakes in, in the role that you have now? Um, so a friend of mine actually pointed that the that the position was opening I really loved the woman who was in the position before me um, and kind of admired her and looked up to her for various reasons just as a part of a uh, as a person in the community Um, and so I knew she was leaving but I I hadn't you know necessarily had my sights on coming Um, but like I had a, a ton of friends that were like you need to do this just do it do it do it do it and so I did and that you know that's all she wrote and I'm really excited to um, hopefully be a part of you know something new that kind of happens out of Orlando Shakes and in Orlando yeah definitely yeah yeah. what does it mean to be the director of new play development what does that look like for you kind of on an average day um, so on an average day, it, it, <laughs> it looks like a lot of different things. Um, I'm constantly in communication with different playwrights, reading a lot of plays. I feel like that's all I ever do is read plays. Um, it's also a partnership with UCF uh, where I teach directing. Um, so a lot of that is just spent planning that class and, and preparing for, you know, uh, teaching a directing class and kind of coming up with you know directing is such a subjective thing so I always try and make sure that I'm coming up or or basing that class off of things that are fresh even for me Mm -hmm. um and so um I also direct I'm a freelance director and a freelance performer actor in the community as well so I have I'm a firm believer that I have to do the things that I teach right so um just kind of always you know, working on myself and working on my craft as an artist first so that I can teach that. Um, and then here at Shakes, it, it's various, you know, there are slow parts of new play development and there are fast, big parts like Playfest is obviously kind of my biggest, busiest time um, in this role. Um, and I've only been in the role, this is my second year in the role, so some of it I'm still learning. Um, this year, it's been it's been the first year where I've been able to really, I think, add my voice to new play development and the plays that are reflected in this um, play fest feel a little bit more like who I am 
Um, whereas last year, some of the plays had already been chosen um, and I was able to kind of add my flavor in the casting of them, but they weren't fully mine yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this year, you know, I've had a hand in in this process from start to finish. So uh, I think the energy of Playfest this year feels a little bit closer to me. And then, of course, dreaming of, you know, well, where do we take Playfest from? Playfest from here, the artistic director and I are having multiple conversations about um, what we want that to look like in the long run, right? So there's so much opportunity and new play development to expand, hopefully. Um, And so what the role will look like in the next couple of months or years, I don't know, uh, but I certainly hope it, it continues to have my voice and by proxy of that different voices of different artists in this community that probably haven't been showcased in the way that they need to. You've kind of touched on it in terms of new play development, um, but one of the things I also saw recently is that you were appointed to the board of directors for the National New Play Network. Yes. What is the National New Play Network for people who are <laughs> familiar and so, how does yeah. it fit into your work at Orlando Shakes? Well, okay, so that was like a big deal. Uh, So the National New Play Network is exactly what it is. It's a national organization um, dedicated to the advancement of new plays. Um, And I was voted on the board recently. um, And with COVID, we're actually still waiting to have my first board meeting. So I haven't actually had the first board meeting yet. (laughs) So I don't know really what that looks like. Uh, But it's kind of, it's, you know, it's a premier organization for American theaters. There uh, as a network of theaters that belong um, to NNPN um, that kind of, you know, hopefully create the pipeline of the next American uh, theater voices, essentially. Um, so if you've ever been on NPX, uh, that's like the listing of all of new plays and new playwrights that you can find. Um, I always tell people all the time when they're like, I can't find plays. I'm like, yes, you can. You're just not looking <laughs> because there's an abundance of new plays on, on, on our website. Um, I think, I guess, I, I hope to kind of be another voice and bridge to the innovative space that NNPN creates. Um, You know, its mission is to extend the life of plays, right? So, so so many times new plays are developed or playwrights are working and they're, you know, doing all their creative artistry, right? And they kind of go nowhere. So um, I think the hope is that this organization and by proxy, all of these theaters, you know, really put a voice to these playwrights and have and extend the life of their new plays. Because I think what people forget and what's important to me is that all playwrights started new, right? You think of, you think of the classics. Yeah. Um, from all the way from Shakespeare to, you know, Tennessee Williams to August Wilson. Right. And we think of these people as having these great, um, plays and yet someone had to develop them they had to have space and time and what we've lost I think in um, our modern industry is giving space and time to new playwrights um, to write bad things and write good things right you never really know what it's going to be until you give it a chance right and no play actually starts great right so that's where the development of it um comes from and the ability to revolutionize kind of the landscape of how new plays um make it into regional theater specifically um so i hope that i can be you know and specifically for me i guess what's more important to me as 
sitting on the representative as a representative of NNPN is to make sure that we uphold our standards of intentionality and equity. Mm-hmm. Um, because so often, especially um, BIPOC playwrights are not as invited to the table as they need to be. Or if there are, if they are invited to the table, it's not necessarily always for the right reasons. Um, so really to kind of hold accountability and put intentionality behind how we're really making sure the voices at the table look like everybody and not kind of what we're used to all the time. Yeah, and that really touches on one thing that I kind of took away from from reading kind of what on the website for Playfest it says mm-hmm. that you were looking for, um, which it really underscores on the website and in what you ask for in submissions is that you really want to emphasize the importance of seeking out plays that represent and kind of showcase the entire diverse community that's here in, in right. Orlando. Right. What does it look like internally um, to really be intentional about putting together a series of six or seven plays? So the process is about a year long, right? So we start our, our submissions. Um, a suit is essentially once this year's Playfest is over, we'll we'll have about two weeks of postmortem downtime figuring out what all of that means and helping those playwrights figure out what their next steps are, whether that's with us or or through other theaters, et cetera. Um, and then they go off and continue to develop, and then we just kind of hold on to that relationship depending on if that you know if we're going to produce it at some point if we just kind of want to follow it and see what happens you know so that that's kind of a part of it and then almost immediately we start gearing up for the next year's (laughs) um selection of place um which you know our submission period typically opens up in january um and we have both solicited and unsolicited um submissions solicited being we reach out to agents and people that we've worked for or Playfest alumni, people who have submitted before or have been here before to resubmit anything that they might be working on. Um, And then unsolicited is, of course, people who we don't know or um, really fresh new plays. Um, And then we just spent a month long process. You know, I I typically either uh, ask UCF students who are very interested to help in that beginning process or we hire some readers to help in that beginning process and we read a lot we start reading um they send us like a 10 page like snippet and then we'll tell you if we want to see more whereas i've solicited they send us the whole script kind of right away um and then comment read score we have a scale system there's all these kind of different things that we're looking for from the beginning to the next round where we read a little bit more in depth to the next round where we, so there's a lot of reading and a lot of kind of round table or I guess we call them zoom discussions over what's there um and then I think just because of who I am and what I know that I the kind of voices that I want to amplify that becomes a part of the discussion right what kind of intentionality do I want to see here um do I need another you know not to quote one of the names of our plays that was in Playfest this year, do I need another white people by the lake, <laughs> right? Um, story, right? And which is interesting because we had a play called white people by the lake, which pokes fun at that, but like, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whose voice needs to be amplified? Whose voice hasn't been amplified? What kind of voices have we not had at Orlando Shakes that we need to um, make sure the community knows that we're looking for as well. Um, 
And then I, I think I just have a special eye to stories of the underrepresented and the marginalized, right? Because those are just stories we haven't heard. One of the things that really sticks out to me about this being a project of specifically like Orlando Shakes is I think for many people, the one experience they may have with theater or with reading a play, especially I think people, there's more broader knowledge about like musicals and they kind of seep into Mm -hmm. the consciousness in a way. But the only plays we read when I was in school, and I think that's a lot of people's interaction with plays was Shakespeare. And then I think Mm -hmm. also like Arthur Miller's The Crucible. Right. (laughs) uh, Which is like a very specific type of play Mm -hmm. and coming across that. It's a really specific voice. It's a really specific tells you what you think a play should sound like or right right and right so I find it really interesting that this is a project of a Shakespeare company um, yeah. to kind of be investing in, in new voices and new right projects. well again I like to remind people because everybody says that like why are you doing this at Orlando Shakes right <laughs> like uh why does Orlando Shakes care about new plays well Shakespeare was a new playwright like in Shakespeare's time none of that was classic right that was he was throwing scripts at them while they were in rehearsal right we even do what's called a bare bard here where we kind of practice that a little bit where the actors get you know a week of rehearsal and then they're on right and that's what Shakespeare was doing he was developing and writing and seeing what worked that's not different just because it's 2022 right the only difference is we're opening it up for other voices and other cultures and other kind of people who also represent American theater. And the reality is if we don't focus on new plays, if we don't focus on and push new voices into the American theater scene, we're going to lose theater as we know it, right? Because then there will be no art there, right? At some point we can't keep doing the same things, right? Um, Arthur Miller didn't become Arthur Miller overnight, And so who is that playwright that maybe we have at this festival that suddenly 10 years from now we're going, you know, Rachel Lynette didn't become Rachel Lynette overnight, right? Like who, how do we kind of keep the next generation of plays going for the next generation of theater? Yeah, I really love it as a project and I'm very excited to, I'm going to see, I believe, two of the shows this weekend. Yay! (laughs) excited about it. Um, and I think this kind of delves into how this is a project of, of a Shakespeare company and what you're talking about here. There's a quote on the website that I really liked that says, our Shakespeare and classical productions deal with timeless issues. And we like for our new plays to deal with modern issues of our times. What could you maybe expand a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah. Well, you know, I love that people think Shakespeare is timeless and he is, but uh, but there are also things that have changed in our world and there are priorities that have changed in our world and there are modern day things that we need to have conversations about. And that's what theater does, right? You know, there's this, sometimes people want theater to just entertain and that was never what theater was meant to do. It was always meant to teach. It was always meant to, it's called an agitprop, right? It was always meant to be a thing that sparked conversation um and the industry has always met is always meant to be an industry that kind of leads the the topics that we all need to kind of put mirrors up to ourselves and have both joyful conversations and uncomfortable conversations and to pretend that we live in a world that our art shouldn't reflect i think is naive 
Um, and so what new, what, what focusing on new plays and specifically new playwrights and new voices does is allow us to also focus on stories of different people um, and different cultures and different, all these differences and come into a room and actually have that conversation. You know, I always say the most radical thing anybody can do is put a bunch of people in a room and tell them a story because they all have to like exist within that story and feel within that story. However, they, however they choose to do that, but they have to, cause they're all in one room. You don't have to like the story, but you should think about it. Um, and if it's a story that doesn't center you, you should question how, why you have feelings about that and why, you know, maybe the centering of someone else has, has you feeling some type of way, right? That, that no matter what the conversation is, it should be a conversation. And I think, you know, putting a focus on modern issues is just as important because that's all that they were doing. That's all Arthur Miller was doing. That's all August Wilson was doing. That's all Shakespeare was doing. But times change, issues change, priorities change, and that has to be talked about too. And I think with my understanding of Playfest, when the conversation afterwards is is quite literal, like there is an opportunity mm-hmm. for kind of an audience conversation, audience feedback yep. with, with there's the a talk back after every play um and that's both practical and you know functional because again the plays are in development the playwrights are still working on things they're not necessarily all going to be some of them are more polished than others depending on what part of development they're in but they no matter what to be in Playfest, they are still in development in some way and so while they're here rehearsing they're making changes throughout the week based on what the actors are giving them right so what what we took in at the beginning of Playfest is not necessarily the script that gets read <laughs> on the day that they perform because they've spent time in the room changing it and then they get to hear it in front of an audience which you know that audience is that final character right how you know if it's supposed to be funny and it's not right or if it's not supposed to be funny and people are laughing there's something that the playwright needs to take back and continue to develop the piece so that feedback from the audience and how they're receiving it and of course some you know the playwright also has an opportunity to say I hear you but that's not what I'm focusing on so both that either way the discussion is helpful to the development of the play itself what are you hoping that playwrights are able to take away from from the experience what is the the goal I guess at the end of Playfest whatever they need right I I don't know that there's because that's I could answer that question differently for each play Mm -hmm. right which I'm very proud of because none of the stories are the same none of there's nothing that you'll see you know that is literally following the same kind of structure which is kind of the point of uh of the festival so I hope they take what they need they're all looking again they're all at various points in their development so they're looking for different things um obviously how is the audience responding to their play um and whatever changes that that creates for them or they want out of that um I want them you know ultimately I hope that they leave having found or having been in a place that they feel has prioritized their voice and made a space where they could work and create and develop what they're trying to do because it's a very vulnerable thing to write a play. So I hope they leave having felt that they were prioritized in being able to have a voice throughout their play. 
One of the plays, um, I think talking about like that creative process, um, some of the plays from Playfest have gone on to become Orlando Shakes productions. So specifically, um, I know recently, I think you just wrapped maybe one or two days ago, actually. Yep. Um, apologies to Lorraine Hansberry and you too, August Wilson. Mm-hmm. What was that process like going from here's our Playfest reading mm-hmm. to now we're going to do a full scale production? Yeah. And so that's that's a part of the mission, right? Um, the Orlando Shakes is dedicated to having a new play, at least one um, in the signature series. And ideally that new play comes out of Playfest and, you know, journeys on. So apologies to Lorraine Andrew, you, you too, August Wilson was one just a phenomenal experience. It's a play that I wish everybody had come to see um, because it's it's well worth the conversation. And Rachel Annette, um, who wrote the play, uh, was also here last week in Playfest with another play. So it was also a chance for people to see one that had come and then went full and one that was at the beginning of development. She's still in very much in the beginning stages of development. So that was also cool um, to see her voice in those two things. Um, when it was originally in Playfest, it was in 2020 and it was a virtual reading, which my associate director, Felicia Siobhan, actually directed at that time on Zoom. Um, and it was very different. The script was, you know, not you know, not extremely different, but there were things that, you know, she had still worked on. She then went off to develop the play kind of elsewhere, and it had some readings and other theaters, et cetera, um, and then went on to win the Yale Drama Prize in 2021. Um, and so when we brought it back, um, most changes were done by the, you know, she had, she had, she'd locked the play and in fact it's published now so you can actually buy it um but it was it's it's a cool experience to kind of see something that's really gone from it's changing it's it's evolutionary it's working to now we have to put this on a full production in in our signature series and it has the kind of all the bells and whistles right so it's the go from something that's so stripped down to something that um it's it's fully produced is an eye-opener right and so we've had some people who did see both right and kind of clocked you know that that journey which is nice it's nice for all involved it's nice for the audience it's nice for the theater it's nice for the play right obviously this was actually the first time that Rachel saw her own play on its feet um and you know that's life-changing for a playwright right having been in the theater industry and other cities what keeps you what draws you what makes you excited about creating theater in Orlando um uh I think it is the artist I think it's the artist I think they you know I work with a lot of people who really want to do this and really want to but not only do this but do it for the right reasons um and I think I just can't escape the potential that Orlando has, right? Like if you look at even go back into the education system, we have the largest thespian um, community of any state in the nation. And somehow we have all, and like, I remember working, you know, no matter where I worked, I always ran into somebody from Florida. Like always, when I was living in abroad, when I was working in New York, when I worked in all of these cities, like nine times out of 10, I would run into a fellow actor who was like, oh yeah, I'm a Florida thespian too, right? Like, 
And so that kind of gets my head turning of like, we have, we put out all of these talented people. We have all of these talented people. And then somehow we send them away to move in other cities. Like what would happen if we had the resources in Florida to keep our talented people here? <laughs> and and not saying that they can't go work other places, but like, you know, Florida was supposed to be what now, what Atlanta is now. If you think about it. Right. At one point we were felt we were filming the most. We had the most um, series and films and television shows and all of that kind of happening, which even that lends itself to more theater because it brings in money in, in a different way. Um, and then those tax extensions went away and we slowly can't figure out how to get back to where we should be. And so we cultivate all of these talented people and then we send them away. And I don't know, maybe there's a hope that to figure out how not to do that. I previously worked in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a, it's, the, the theme park industry is not a, a factor there, but I do feel very similar in terms of like, it is a very growing mm-hmm. theater scene that still, I think has a long way to go. Yeah. Um, that I would like to see. Right. Itself. Yeah. 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 And keep some of the really similar, like, through artists from North Carolina that I know like go off and make it in New York and things that I've seen in local plays in, in Charlotte, but I'd love if we could keep some of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And keep that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know that I will stay in Florida forever either, but like right now it's great. My kids are here. It's a great place to raise kids. Sometimes not talking about the political side of it, but like the <laughs> open space of it um backyard of it kind of thing but um so I don't know I who knows where my journey actually leads me but uh, I do think that we have a lot of potential to do a real, lot of really good and if I can be even a small part of that I would want to you've mentioned that you have some some goals and a vision for the future of Playfast. where do you kind of see it growing what are you excited about for future yeah. Playfast as we move forward um <laughs> A lot of things like I have a lot of different goals, you know, development shouldn't stop at just a reading and then a show. Right. Like, I think there's a lot of places in between to really kind of work. Like I said, I hope to commission a play. I hope to take one of our plays and move it to New York off Broadway um, from Orlando, like take the Orlando Shakespeare production and move it to an off Broadway house. Um, I got a lot of, you know. I just kind of want to follow what we could do to really amplify the voices throughout of shakes. Right. Um, And to be able to say, you know, that started here and then it became this, you know, there's no reason we can't do it. Right. The Goodman does it all the time. Steppenwolf does it all the time where you see these plays that start in these regional theaters, you know, ideally I'd like to win a Tony, right? Like they're, they're big goals, right? Like, Mm -hmm. You got to say them and have them in order to make them possible. So I keep putting them out. I keep putting them out in the universe and we'll see where they go. My name is Greg Lamb. I'm the playwright of the play at the Playfest at Orlando Shakes called Repossessed. And I am living in the Bay Area uh, in California. Thank you so much. I figured we could start a little bit at the beginning which is, do you remember when you first started writing plays? I mean, the first play I 
wrote was actually in high school. Um, so all the way back then, I wrote a, a quiz show parody. Um, yeah, the high school drama teacher had a summer program and we actually put it on there. What draws you to plays as a format of writing? Like, obviously, there's lots and different avenues you can go with as a writer. Why, why plays in the theater space? I mean, I just like, like, I just like having to carry stories via dialogue and not being able to do the novel thing of going into their head to recite their internal monologue. Um, that that doesn't appeal to me as much for whatever reason, um, you know. And I like different media, and I like doing the things that media is good at, and also trying to import strengths from other types of media into a media. So I, I've written, um, you know, things for the screen that incorporate stuff from plays or things from, um, or a play about silent comedians and, and trying to bring uh, their strengths of that media to plays, you know, and uh, plays, I write sci-fi plays. And so sci-fi is much richer tradition in, movies and tv than on the stage so it's a challenge to figure out how to do it on stage i was actually kind of going to bring that up but we can go ahead and get there now which is i was thinking back about the plays i've seen over my journalism career and very few of them were actually sci-fi i can maybe count one or two what is it like to be bringing sci-fi science fiction to a theater space where I don't think it is really traditionally represented that often. Yeah, there isn't that much. I mean, it was on a sci-fi playwriting call and there, one of their questions was, oh, well, what are your theater influences of sci-fi? And I was like, I don't really know if I have many. I don't really know if I've seen many on stage aside from the 10 minute plays uh, space, but you know, full length, there's only a few. So that means there's a whole lot of untapped potential out there because, you know, sci-fi has permeated every um, TV and movie um, landscape. Um, and what keeps it from going on stage is usually like the idea that you have to have outrageous production uh, demands, but, you know, um, is that the case? So uh, can you set a play in space and just have it be on the bridge? in the Aristotelian, you know, one um, set, one place and time thing. Um, and, you know, I've written a 10 minute play in which time travel is introduced by just having a character say, all right, I'm your daughter from the future. And then just if the audience can buy that, then, then you can tell that play, you can tell that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting challenge to, bring all these sci-fi elements because we all by now or many of us have just know all these sci-fi tropes fantasy tropes we just know them from everywhere else so you just have to sort of suggest them and and the audience can buy um okay we're in post-apocalyptic space now oh okay we're in a time travel mode now um and it's it's i just enjoy that a lot both plays that you have presented at Playfest, because you presented a play last year as well, um, have been science fiction. 
what speaks to you about science fiction as a genre? Um, I really like the way that you people can use science fiction to talk about things happening in the here and now, but remove it out of context in a different way to be able to talk about things. In the case of last year's play that I had here, uh, last year at Proxim Centauri, um, it was a play that was um, inspired by the immigration crisis during the Trump administration um, and just imagining a way to talk about it. What I did there was I imagined a situation where Americans were put in the position of immigrants trying and failing to um, to reach safe harbor. And I did that by putting the Americans on a spaceship uh, many light years away, many centuries away, and, and, and asking to be allowed on the new planet, but the new planet just doesn't accept them because of who they are. So it's, a, it's an interesting way to talk about the things that we're all struggling with now but in a different framing, in a different manner. Your play that you're presenting here at Playfest this year is called Repossessed. For someone who might be unfamiliar, what is the premise of, of Repossessed, if you were to explain it to someone? Yeah, Repossessed uh, um, is a story of a couple uh, named Rich and Gretchen, who are a very loving couple who are facing a financial downturn but they have a very solid understanding and they're ready to face it together when they're pulled into a meeting by their lawyer who informs them that their marriage um, was actually manufactured by a startup company that um, takes experiences and programs them into people's brains. And that because of their financial downturn, their financial troubles, they can no longer afford the maintenance fees that would keep that on track. And so that the company has to repossess all those uh, inserted memories. And so it just goes on from there, exploring that premise and, and seeing what they do. What has the process been like going from when you started writing it to now I know it had kind of like a world premiere actually also in Florida, in Fort Myers. Mm -hmm. So so what are this, has the steps really been of kind of drafting and creating this, this play? I mean, the play started as a 10 minute play where just that revelation happens. And for a couple of years after that, I would just bring to my writing groups um, scenes that were sort of in the same universe, but not necessarily. Uh, I didn't really have a plan for a full-length play, but I just uh, kept writing essentially fanfic of my own work of uh, what happens here, what happened before, what happened after, what happened, what it look like if this happens. Uh, and eventually I had enough of enough material about this world and timeline that I just sort of smashed it together and created a, a full-length play that I was fortunate enough to have produced at Theater Conspiracy in Fort Myers um, a few years ago. And um, and now for this reading, I'm um, yeah, I, I'm streamlining a bit. I, there was a lot of sort of extraneous world building stuff, like uh, like faux NPR interviews and and news reports and things. But I'm taking a lot of that out and just focusing on the story um, and just making it 
streamlined and and just character and story focused. You did bring a um, a play to Playfest last year, which was Last Ship um, to Proximus and Glory, and now you're bringing Repossessed to Orlando Shakes. As a Bay Area based playwright, what brings you to Orlando Shakes again? What what speaks to you about the process of going through Playfest? Yeah, I mean, last time I was uh, my participation was remote because they did a hybrid play fest last year with some in-person, some remote. So I, um, I only was able to join from afar, but this time I'm actually here and enjoying uh, Orlando and meeting everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, they actually made the offer this year uh, just because, you know, I think a lot of things were scrambled because of the pandemic. Uh, this time they offered to recently participating play fest participants um, to send in other works that they would like to have readings of that haven't had, you know, more than one or, or so uh, productions um, to have that at the Playfest. And I was one of them and I'm happy enough to have been chosen. Um, yeah. And it's just a wonderful process. The, the people are very talented and they have engaged in the work so much. I mean, they the conversations we have during rehearsal process are have been fabulous. What are you hoping to kind of take away from the experience of going through Playfest and, and getting feedback and, and getting to see it performed? I mean, it's always an incredible privilege to have your work being in the hands of talented actors, talented director, and then and being um, presented to an audience. It's just, you learn so much about how things are received because of, you know, the uh, great amount of time, it's just in your head, people talking to each other in your head and you think it'll work, but do you, will it really, really work? You don't know that until you get in front of people and, you know, theater well, um, is different than any other art form because you get to have the, the performances with an audience and then you can hear the feedback, you can see, how people perceive it in a more direct way than, than even filmmaking or certainly, uh, you know, fiction writing or such. You mentioned you've worked a lot in the kind of 10 minute play space um, and the collective is, does like a 10 minute play fast. What is the difference from a playwright perspective approaching writing something that's 10 minutes versus a full length kind of play? Yeah. Um, I mean, 10 minute is, you know, you don't, you, you get to play with probably an idea or one or two ideas that you want to bring to a beginning, middle, and end in a short amount of time. And, and full length, especially my full lengths, I just tend to just try and find some idea that's big enough. And like I said, smash different things into the idea and just uh, keep building and building and it just yeah if if you look at my playography the full-length ones are just weighty moral um examinations of these big issues and the 10 minutes are are fun um fun comic romps usually um and then somehow there's a one minute play uh, genre that sprung up and when i participated in that 
um, somehow those are the most depressing things I've ever written. So, so that is, uh, yeah, I mean, somehow, somehow, yeah, the 10 minute play space, I, I, I personally like having fun in and the full length ones are ones I want to just, um, use for, for more, I don't know, bigger issues, bigger themes, just bigger examinations, but, you know, still fun in, yeah, there's still humor in my plays, but it's not as uh, carefree as the 10 minute genre. This has been Alyssa Miller with The Power of Four. You can find more episodes of the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to connect with me outside of the show, you can find me on Twitter at E-L-I-S-S-A-M-I-L underscore. To learn more about Orlando Shakes and Roberta Emerson's work with Playfest, you can visit their website, orlandoshakes.org. You can find more information about Greg Lamb and his work on his website, greglam.wixsite.com slash home. Thanks for listening.